Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Hello, Hello and, and welcome, welcome to the, to the TV football, football podcast. Are you recording? I'm Joe oh, yeah. Devine. This is what we do today. Oh no, first we have to intro people. So first, Ruben, the baby boy Pinder. Hello. <laughs> and also John McKenzie. Today we spoke about. I'm bored of this. How do you do this for the whole? This episode? would also make all sense to people when they hear it at the start <laughs> yeah, of the podcast. Very true. So Joe let's do it. Yeah, I yeah. think it's quite fun, isn't it? Yeah, but again, it makes no sense at the Who start cares? of the show. It doesn't matter if it makes sense. Does I think it? it does. I think you have to. This is an example. Hello, you have to let... <laughs> welcome to the Tifo Football Podcast. I'm Joe Devine, and I enjoy to in- interrupt Steve Hankey, the producer of this podcast, which is the Tifo Football Podcast, when he's talking, which is delightful for me because I can interrupt him to. Inter- introduce two fabulous guests to, that we have here today one of them an animal and one of them a baby it is jonathan dog mckenzie <laughs> there he is look him go this, <laughs> this delightful little woof there and of course a uh, google gagger it's reuben the baby boy pender yes thank you oh look at that he's really getting to the spirit of things now isn't he five shows left to go and we've got a couple of googles and gagas. Now, uh, the second show, the second live show, 6th of June, already sold out. If you wanted to get a ticket, you weren't fast enough, unless you did get one, in which case you were fast enough. Congratulations either way, and that's the end of it now. We'll see you on the 6th and the 7th of June, and afterwards, forevermore, in the form of Jonathan Dog McKenzie <laughs> and his interviews. Very exciting stuff, yes. Now, let me tell you about what's coming up today, because there's so much on the agenda, isn't there, today? So much to... To get through, we've recorded for a long time. Steve has a big job to cut it all down. All those boring anecdotes we told. Yeah, all the the, the bits about... Uh, what did we say? What was you know we said pacey lockdown. intro. Pacey intro, I know, yeah. That's why, I'm, <laughs> that's why I'm deliberately going slowly to bother you. The race for the top four. Yeah, very exciting. Who will win it? We're going to find out today. We're not, but we're going to talk about it. Uh, the thick, the rich, and buttery taste... <laughs> Of Mrs. Bussesworth syrup. Okay, I wonder where that sentence was going. That's fun. The fragments of John McKenzie's heart that belong in Marcelo Bielsa's bucket. We get to that a bit later on. Arsenal living the game against Newcastle. That was a fun game. It was a very interesting game over the weekend. We talked about that one. Uh, can-, <laughs> can you be chased in a fun way? <laughs> I think yes, but we'll, you know, again, we'll come on to discuss. Now, Gary O'Neill Neil and Bournemouth. He's done well, hasn't he? So uh, we talked about him. And, of course, a very comprehensive summary of the situation in League One, which is neither comprehensive nor really a summary, you know. So, But we'll get to that later on, right at the very end, if you stick around and you're special. We learn all the nicknames of the clubs down there, don't we? Uh, the Trees, was that one of them? The Trees? The trees, trees. trees is forest. It was the Cobblers, wasn't it? The I Cobblers, know? the Shoe People. That's yeah. right, yes. Shoe People. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, if you... If you like 
to keep your feet protected and warm, then you should visit The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com forward slash TIFO, theathletic.com forward slash TIFO, where not only the information that you will garner from these exceptionally well-written pieces, but also the way in which they are written give you the feeling as though your soul is extra protected from the floor uh, when you're walking on a pebbly beach. Now, uh, visit theathletic.com forward slash TIFO to find out more about how you can get a 30-day free trial to find out more. (laughs) Yeah, that's theathletic.com forward slash TIFO. Is that everything covered? Warm hands, cool embrace. Bish, bash, bosh. I will leave you now the warm hands and the cool embrace of a very dour-looking Jonathan McKenzie. Let's get a little close-up of his face there. There he is. Yeah. Look at the camera. Look at the camera over here. Over here. Have a look just at this one here. I want to go home, Joe. Okay. Well, you've got an hour and 40 minutes of podcasting to do now. going to talk about football but uh, before we do that we thought when john you went to the toilet reuben was looking at your computer <laughs> when i walked into the room but only what was left up on the the, the front there wasn't it what did you see reuben i saw a virtual queue for tickets to something at wembley a virtual queue so we thought we'd try and guess what it was that you were going to see at wembley assuming that it's not the vanarama national league promotion final okay silent. <laughs> it could be what do you think you've got you've, we've seen the events what do my you think? money is on Harry Styles Harry Styles I mean Harry Styles not just Harry Styles Harry Styles love on tour which you know there's hospitality tickets available as well on the 14th of June this isn't an advert but are you buying those don't tell no, us yet no I'm not just say not no Harry Styles grew up very near me actually did he yeah he grew up in a place called Holmes Chapel I believe which is about five miles away from where my parents currently oh. live and it's impossible to say who's achieved more yeah, yeah, I think I agree with that. Yeah, because on the one hand, you would think obviously Harry Styles is a an in, you know an incredible musician, songwriter, world famous celebrity, you know, very very wealthy by all the modern metrics of success, he's got it. But he didn't start with the disadvantages that someone like John McKenzie did. <laughs> where come on, look at John and listen to John. He's not a natural performer. He's not someone that's interesting or that you would you would really want to spend any time with or someone that you even really, let's be honest, want to be around on a daily basis. So that he's managed to claw his way to where he is now. Is, is, please is it more remain, impressive? Please remain subscribed to the podcast for his new show next season. <laughs> Good point. Yeah, God, how's he doing it? I've done, a lot. I've done a lot with a little. I think it's, I think it's fair to Are say. you going to see Def Leppard and Motley Crue the world tour? I, I'm not. No. Are you going to see the All Elite AEW wrestling? No. I can't imagine what else it is on this list. Is it England, Australia? Is it something? Is it, just, is it football? It's the thing that you mentioned at the beginning. Is it really, really in a queue for the Vanarama National League promotion final? Yes. There are 7,500 people ahead of you in the queue for that. 6,735 6, right now. Wow, okay. There we go. So by all rights, you'll get to buy a ticket by the end of the show. Keep us updated on that. Yeah, it's still saying more than an hour, so let's see how long the show goes on for. Sometimes they go on for a long time, don't they? They do. If anything, it's quite a good indication. If you get tickets in this show, but the show's only 50 minutes, it's because Steve's really cut it down. (laughs) (laughs) I'm actually worried that I might miss the actual Yeah, I was going to say, it'd be quite funny if you were just like so in the zone midpoint that they all just went (laughs) when you got to the front of the queue. Who's it? it I do want you to get a ticket, though. It's not County versus... 
Uh, actually, I don't know who they're playing, but oh. it was one of Chesterfield or Bromley. I, I didn't actually catch you. You didn't pay attention. But you're a fan of Notts County, aren't you? Yeah, one of my best friends works for the club, so I've been following them quite closely this right. this season. So um, it's been great seeing them them do well. They had a really exciting game yesterday, which was very exhausting. So they were yeah. they went two nil down in the first half, came back, scored in the ninety plus seven minutes to to level it up, and then scored right at the end of extra time to, mm. to go ahead so yeah there's a lovely clip um, of the, the the two I assume the Notts County commentary team uh, yeah yeah uh, that was that was delightful to watch if you can dig that out Notts County of course for, for unfamiliar listeners the team that pushed Wrexham all the way in mm. the um, we watched that game between those two teams in the pub and John yes. was celebrating Notts County's goals as if they were I don't know. I was I was going to say Leeds goals, but I think with more, yeah, uh, with more excitement. Yeah. Yeah. It's, there's arguments to be made that I have more at stake in this game than any Leeds game this season, <laughs> which is a, a sad indictment of how, particularly Leeds when Leeds may get relegated. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Fine. Yeah. Well, listen. Lots to discuss uh, uh, today. Where else to begin? I think, but with the race for top four, because things really hotted up over the weekend, and Liverpool have sort of slunk out of nowhere a little bit. Uh, currently. In fifth place, 35 games played, 62 points. Manchester United, of course, uh, losing to West Ham late on Sunday night, are just ahead of them with one fewer game played, but only one point more. Uh, Liverpool in with a real shout now of finishing in the top four. Let's start with that game, though. West Ham United won nil Manchester United, John. Now, a lot of the conversation uh, has been around uh, De Gea, so we thought we'd talk about that as well. But just to get us started... Uh, I assume, I didn't watch this, but Manchester United were poor, I imagine. It's a conversation that we've had throughout the season, um, I think. And one of the big questions that I've had around Manchester United really being able to compete at the top level is their ability to control games. And I think this was another good example of a game where they just don't have the ability to possess the ball build up from the back in and, and and restrict the opposition from from being able to have the ball as well. So it just became a bit transitional, a bit end-to-end. And obviously that suits Manchester United largely because they do have good players who can perform in those in those ways. But Marcus Rashford, they're sort of relying on Marcus Rashford scoring goals. And obviously there was that, that a long period at the beginning of the season where he had that purple patch where he was yeah. putting goals in every game. Then he was That's, injured yeah, and came back and hasn't really anymore, picked it up right? again so, yeah. Um, I, I guess you know. Obviously, when things are going well, it's very easy to be like, "Oh, everything's fine. I can't ever see this run coming to an end." But I think there were signs even back then that they, they were relying on certain individuals. Obviously, now Martinez is not available anymore as well, which impacts their ability to build up from the back as well. So at the moment, we've gone from Manchester United going through that early spell in in January, where I think they won something like eight on the trot, and it looked like they were never going to lose again. To them going into games where you're looking at them thinking, yeah. are they going to come through this all right? Well, of the last five, they've won two, drawn one and lost two. So, I mean, there's, they've, they've dropped a fair number of potential points uh, around there, which is what's one of the things that's let Liverpool back into the title race. Um, worth saying also, Tottenham have really stacked it. Five points behind Liverpool, same number of games. But I mean, they're completely out of the, the race now. That would have been perhaps a bit more unthinkable, uh, you know, 10, 20 games ago. That did not seem like a... A realistic proposition. So that's been fun. Let's talk about De Gea, though. Um, and again, we have discussed this before. Um, we spent quite a lot of time at the beginning of the season talking about it, particularly around those Brighton and Brentford games early on for Manchester United, where they shipped a, a lot of goals trying to play out from the back. Uh, there's an argument that despite you know uh, how good of a performer De Gea has been historically for the team and how good he is at shot-stopping, he's, he's not really the sort of goalkeeper that a Ten Hag Manchester United would ideally have. 
Yeah, and this is a conversation which seems to just get trotted out all the time, right, about the importance of build-up. Why is it that, that elite teams always want to build up from the back? And I think the, the reason why people often will argue about it is because it's it's not something that's necessarily tangible to you when you're looking looking at it. Whenever you see teams building up from the back, it often will look quite scary. It looks as though you're putting yourself under a, an undue amount of pressure. Um, and, yeah, when you when you see the the conditions presented like that you think why are we doing this why not just get the ball long that's what you want to do um and it's one of those things where you just simply have to have the patience and belief that the the the, the statistical evidence backs it up um but yeah manchester united have have david de gea and are not able to build up from the back and so it results in what i was talking about before which is a lack of ability to control the game in every phase of play which has knock-on effects all the way down, right? If you're if you're building up from the back, you're possessing the ball, so you're already, you know, you're slowing down the game. You're you're looking to hold the ball, move it through the thirds, arrive in the in the final third in a repeatable and controlled manner, so that you are more likely to have good possession and generate good chances. But equally, mm-hmm. if you're kicking the ball long all the time, often what will happen is that you are just simply turning the ball over, and then you have to go into your out possession phase, and you have to press well, etc. And I mean, to be honest, Manchester United have been quite good out of possession largely this season. I think there's there's, there's lots of caveats and questions uh, that people talk about. But for me, Manchester United this season have been almost like a Gagan pressing side, right? Where they, they, they get the ball forward quickly and a, a lot of their upside comes from their ability to, once the ball has been turned over, to either win the ball back immediately and, and counter-attack or force the ball into areas where they're going to be good at winning it back and then setting off mm. uh, Marcus Rashford in, in particular or, or Anthony and these and these channel runs where they can they can enjoy them as well. So at the moment that's it seems to me that they have a a style problem. They, the players that they have don't suit the sorts of style of play that you see elite teams adopting. Um that's not to say that all elite teams have the same style and we've just put out a video about Real Madrid who have a very different uh, approach to to the game than than a lot of other elite teams, but the way that a Man- different way of being good, yeah, yeah, yeah. have good players, ha- have good players, yeah. yeah. But Ma- Manchester um, Manchester United, I think, are with, with Eric Ten Hag definitely wanting to adopt that that more um, controlled play style. They just simply don't have the players to do it right now, which raises the question. Do you want a goalkeeper who's good at cross uh, shot stopping or do you want a goalkeeper who's going to be better in the build-up? And you can look at someone like Edison as a good example of someone who's the other type of profile to David De Gea. Um, and we don't have these conversations all the time about our Edison shot stopping. Um, so, so clearly, the you know, it goes both ways. So yeah. I think it's if, if, if Manchester United is still playing David De Gea next season as a starting goalkeeper, they will not be challenging at the highest level. No, I mean, it's, it's also... Um, it, I think in some ways, uh, whilst it's important to recognise that David De Gea has, has been an excellent goalkeeper in his time, we are being a bit kind to him this season as well by saying that it's just a stylistic issue. He has made uh, the joint most of any uh, any um, goalkeeper uh, player leading to, uh, sorry, plays mistakes leading to errors leading to goals. Let me say all of that again. <laughs> He's up four or five times which have led to goals right <laughs> that's right um and it's been very noticeable this season and it's become a kind of topic a regular topic of conversation that's a bit different ruben isn't it from the stylistic issue although or do, do you think the stylistic issue is leading to those errors um i'm not sure but i do see this quite weird uh irony in his inability to play out with his feet because the way he used to mm. save loads of shots was with his feet yeah um <laughs> But his mistakes, they aren't just mistakes, are they? They're like quite embarrassingly 
comical mistakes sometimes. They're like, calamities. There was, um, I can think of a few off the top of my head. There was a one at Watford or against Watford um, where he kind of threw the ball into the net by accident. Mm. Uh, there was one at Everton this year, or at Old Trafford against Everton this season where he kind of ran into the post a little bit and then tried to close his legs and the ball went through it. And I yeah. think Cody might have scored. So it's, and, and the save yesterday that, well, the goal that he conceded yesterday, he really should have saved. So if they were like sporadic mistakes that you can go, oh, that just happens, but it's, yeah. the, it's the manner of them, um, which is quite alarming. Well, and Steve Hanking made the point before we started uh, recording that um, the other goalkeeper who is joint with him is Hugo Lloris, uh, and I th- I feel like it's kind of very noticeable the sort of mistakes that Larissa's been, they, they been making. They have similar issues in build up as well. Actually, they're like they're very similar in in mm. their in their pros and cons. Yeah. Um, because like De Gea can kick a ball well, he's he's not terrible, but their managers need them to be able to kind of drop it um, into like the perfect spot for a fullback to then you know take it on the kind of bounce and, and run with it mm-hmm. um and just not panic when when they have it but the the mistakes that we mentioned um at the start of the season like against brentford i feel like that those weren't entirely his fault no, were no, they? No. that was like sure. um because i remember um watching that game trying to work out what united were trying to do because he was clearly instructed past to maguire past to martinez that's how we're going to play and if it doesn't work then we will keep plugging away at it and whatever um, but the rest of the team was like miles up the pitch. Yeah. So it was like, well, once they get the ball, who are they going to pass it to? So they have, as a team, got much better at avoiding those situations. Sure. But like John said, they've kind of, he has, um, pragmat- he's like used pragmatism in the true sense of the word mm. in that he's kind of gone, okay, well, this is what I've got, so I'm going to tweak yeah. my ideals. Um, and I think in with regards to like control, do you think Ericsson has been, I don't think Ericsson's been a bad signing. Or do you think they've been a little bit, they maybe they're disappointed that he isn't providing that control. Maybe they kind of uh, misidentified what he would bring because he's essentially a ten who plays a bit deeper because he doesn't have as like as much legs anymore, right? I think I think the big problem is is that they have a team, they have a squad that is set up to play a certain way, and then they brought in a manager and been like, we want you to start moving us towards this other way of playing, and that's obviously what happens at the beginning of the season. You you try and build up from the back, and it leads to these calamitous errors and so the, as you say Ten Hag adopts this pragmatism where he says okay well we, we're going to avoid getting battered all the time in order to slowly move towards this idea but then obviously that's going the opposite way to where he was at the beginning of the season which is right we're just going to throw ourselves in at the deep end try and play that way that's so, the thing with elite clubs though isn't it there's always this like base expectation of success that you can't really tear up a yeah. season and go well we're just going to implement everything new and yeah. because if you drop out of like the top six then it's a disaster in the eyes of the fans and then you mm-hmm. move the manager on and you never yeah. actually make that, exactly, that step yeah. up so again a video that we've just put out this morning on on the illustrated channel looking at the squad building issues that manchester united have i think that it, again it's another example of just the difficult the difficulty of the manchester united job as a as a manager that you're expected mm. to one get the best out of a squad which isn't necessarily at the elite level that you want it to be at, and contains whilst, Valt Verkhorst. <laughs> yeah, whilst moving it to being a squad which does have that, those things. So what what do you do? You bring you bring in more better players, pe- better technical um, uh, ceilings for those players and profiles for those players, but you're putting them into a team where they don't. You, you have weak points, and at the at mm. the highest level, if you have those weak points, opposition teams will 
exploit them. So it's a very, very tricky, tricky situation. So yeah, I don't think I would, to answer your question, which I, mm. I sort of dodged around a little bit, but <laughs> someone like Christian Eriksen obviously would be fine if you had the rest of that squad yeah. suiting that style of play. The problem is that he doesn't. And so Ten Hag doesn't have that. And so it makes, it complexifies yeah, things Yeah, it's one thing more, having so. good passes. They need other good passes to pass the ball to. Yeah. <laughs> mm. uh, it's worth uh, shouting that video out, actually. That was uh, based on a conversation that happened on the Devils in the Details podcast, which is run by uh, Aaron and Case. They're two Americans who talk about Manchester United in a very, very good way. I really enjoy that show. So you can go and have a listen to that and uh, watch that video uh, as well. I, which, I think I Aaron's think... Canadian, is which he? is technically American, right? But... Yeah, because they're North American. Yeah, there yeah. we go. I didn't say they were United Statesers. Yeah. I simply said they were Americans. And that could include coming all the way down from Tierra del Fuego. You know what yeah. I'm saying? In eh? case my... my... Claim to be Dutch as well. Well, so you've maybe just he sounds both of them. American though. Okay, well, I that's... mean he lives in North America. He does, and he sounds like an American. <laughs> therefore, therefore, he is American. I, <laughs> I think, think that's, that's how, how it works. works. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, fine. Well, anyway, the Devils in the Details podcast do have do have a listen to that. If you even if you're not a Manchester United fan, I think it's it's inter- it's interesting for neutrals as well. Uh, a quick word on 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 De Gea. This is from the Athletic on the the seventh of May. Um, United wanting De Gea to stay, written by Laurie Whitwell. The 32-year-old's United contract is set to expire this summer, although the club have an option to trigger a one-year extension, and uh, the manager emphasised his continued confidence in his goalkeeper, saying, we want him to stay and uh, we want him to extend his contract. He has the most clean sheets in the Premier League, so we would not be in that position without him. He has uh, fully has my belief, no concerns. That happens, blah, 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 blah. I mean, it's it's always kind of uh, unclear whether that's real or not. Yeah, there's a big clause in parentheses missing from Ten Hag's quote there, which is his internal (laughs) monologue of saying, so we can get a fee for him and buy somebody better. Potentially, although I would imagine that De Gea is probably unsellable based on his uh, salary expectations. (laughs) Based on the fact that people may have watched him play football before. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, let's see what happens with that. But if you were to replace him, John, just hypothetically, is there a goalkeeper out there that is is gettable, that doesn't already play for an elite team, that would actually do a better job? Or... Is you know is Ten Hag sort of thinking fine? Perhaps this isn't ideal, but there are other areas of the pitch that very clearly need to be strengthened as well, and we can't do it all in one summer. You know, what is it the biggest issue, or is a bigger issue perhaps that you know through as a result of injuries and and people not working out, you're currently playing Shaw as a centre back, and Eriksson and Casemiro have a combined age of 155. This is another conversation that they have in the Devils in the Details podcast right. because they. They're big on this idea that actually for elite teams, the most important thing is scoring goals rather yeah. than stopping them. Um, so I think there's an argument to be made that you want to make sure that you're... you got to buy a striker. Yeah, That's how they it. say it on the Devils in the Details podcast. <laughs> hey guys, I'm from... Uh, I'm, I'm Dutch, but I talk like this. And you know, what are you, you going to know about Man United is uh, they got to buy a striker, John McKenzie. That's right, that's eh? right. Eh? Yeah. yeah. Um, but obviously... At the other end of the field, as we've been talking about, there is a long-term upshot from having a, a goalkeeper who can use his feet, right? It's, it's not that you score more goals with a striker, therefore you should do that. Mm. Actually, that striker will score more goals if you have a goalkeeper who can use his feet as well. It so, sounds ridiculous, but, yes. it's, but it's true. It's a team sport. Yeah, mm. I think it's a Marcelo Bielsa quote that he said mm. to Pep Guardiola, where he's like, if your team aren't scoring goals, 
you shouldn't be looking at the attackers, you should be looking at the defenders because right. that's where the goals originate from. Yeah, he really did a number on Pep, didn't he, that guy? He, he really, he really... He really did a number on me, Joe. He did a number on yeah. you. You were sort of broken for a while, weren't you? I've, I've been, I've remained broken ever <laughs> since, so. but I re- maintain a brave face. Yeah. I sit here crying internally. But... Like a piece of pottery with that's like right. lots of chips, you know, you wouldn't, a charity shop wouldn't accept you if I took you in. And that's how they'd be like, why the is there so many working. chips in this yeah. pot? Where are the missing pieces? I say they're with Marcelo. Yeah. He's got them in his pocket. That's right. Yeah. He's, he's in gone his, to in his bucket that he sits on. <laughs> his little, he's he little bits, in his bucket. Little bits, bits of, of fragments John. of my heart <laughs> in that bucket. Um, yeah. yeah I mean, I'm sure there's a goal. I don't know anything about goalkeeping. Just pick I'll one. I'll be honest, but I don't, I can't. Ilan Melier. No. <laughs> I mean,. <laughs> No, because you want to keep him on no, because he's not the right sort of player. But it's, no, it's because quite similar he's not, he's to not De Gea. good enough with his feet. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I was kind of joking the because right, they're right, the same. Right. He's a younger version of De Gea and right. he's left-footed. He's actually, he's a young version of Hugo Lloris. Mm. Um, mm. But yeah, there, there's, there's goalkeepers out there who are going to be good. Who enough. are they? They're, um, Just pick one. What about uh, Rene Higuita? He's, he's a bit old now, I he's think. He's too old now. David Seaman. Do you want me to have a look on... United have got uh, Jack Butland on loan from Palace, so they could just keep him. Yeah? yeah? Butters? Buttersworth? <laughs> Mrs. Buttersworth. What's that from? <laughs> What's Mrs. Buttersworth from? No Steve will know. Steve's going to look it up. That's from something. Um, it's a brand of syrup. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's other things, but yeah, you know, well, so probably, probably Canadian or North American. I should try and get us out of this sticky situation I've got us in, guys, shouldn't I? Do you want me to tell you who has the best yes. goalkeeping numbers in the top five leagues? I do, but I want you to, do, to define what you mean by goalkeeping numbers first, because I thought they all played with to. number one. Manuel Neuer's free, isn't he? <laughs> yes. Oh, well, well is, he, is he not still injured from his broken thigh? Femur. Yeah, but he'll be better at some point. Yeah. Well, and you can't go skiing in Manchester. Benjamin Lecomte is playing for Montpellier at the moment. What a name. Benjamin Lecomte. Uh, Alisson is the best goalkeeper according to post shot expected goals. He's not available though. Okay. There's a guy called Yevan Diouf at Rennes. Yevan Diouf. Okay. He's currently saved his team around nine goals this season. Above expected. You say, when you talk about Rennes, right? No, it's Ram. R- Stad oh, is that? Oh, Stad That's the R E I M S one. And you call yeah. them Ram. Stad Ram. Ram. Yeah, but it's come on. Like, you're like doing you you're rolling your R, though. It's not Spanish. Yeah, I know, but he's doing that thing that people do where they pretend they know how to say it, but they just say it quite quickly and quietly. With enough conviction. And if it you say it slowly. Literally, all pronunciation is is pretending you know how to say it. Just say it slowly for us. Stad Ram. Ran, ran. Are you ending with an N or an M? If it sounds like an N, but it is an M S. Stade de Ran. Yeah. Stade de Ran. Can I say it like Stade that? Stade de Reims. Are you yeah. happy now? Stade, Are you happy Stade, now? Stade with de Reims. Stade de Reims. Stade de Reims. Bernd Leno. Good numbers this season. Bernd Leno. There's a guy called um, Frederick Runo uh, at Union Berlin. Union. Another team who are overperforming their underlying numbers. There, there seems to be there seems to be a correlation here between teams who are defending above their their levels and their goalkeepers. There seems to be a correlation here between teams who are under uh, overperforming their underlying numbers and teams that John McKenzie mentions on a regular basis. <laughs> oh, that was a list of goalkeepers. Thanks, thanks for that, John. Thanks for <laughs> listing off all those goalkeepers. Great. Let's let's talk about Liverpool now. They've got a good goalkeeper, haven't they? What are they? Big hands. 
Yeah. That's anyway, right. Liverpool won nil Brentford. Oh, Mo Salah goal, uh, 13 minutes. They've won, f- well, I'm sure they may have won more, but I can only see their five recent fixtures and they've won all five of them. Very impressive. As I said before, one point off Manchester United and fourth, uh, one game more played. Very feasible uh, that um, they could finish in the in the top four. At least it's potentially possible. What the hell's happened here, Ruben? They've just quietly started winning, haven't they? Yeah. Um, so it's weird how the top four race every season seems to be um, who can mess up the fewest times because it, every yeah. season it just feels like nobody actually wants to finish fourth. It does but feel I like that, doesn't it? Yeah. The nature of those teams is they're obviously going to be more inconsistent than, than the ones above them. So maybe I'm not actually observing anything, but like you know, a team will get into fourth and then start losing, like what United do. But yeah, Liverpool have just improved, haven't they? I wonder how much of that is down to their slight change in shape. Um, you know, the videos that John and JJ have done recently explaining kind of what Trent's yeah. um, role is kind of changed into. And I think, was there a stat on Sky Sports? There was a graphic. I'm not sure whether it's since that tactical tweak, but he's like top of every chart for all the positive mm. creative stats. I don't have it in front of me, but I'm sure John's okay. got it imprinted on his brain. So well, that, it's, that might have helped him. It's, it's a relatively, you know, middling run in that they have three games left. Um, they are away to Leicester. On the final day, they're away to Southampton, who I imagine will be relegated by that point. Tough second game, though, middle game there, because, of course, they are at home to the second best team in the league. Yes. Aston Villa. Aston Villa. So you would expect, given that Liverpool are the fifth best team in the league, that they would lose that game just on the basis of expectations and how good each team is, John. But the question is, are Liverpool really as good as everyone thinks they are right now? I don't know, are they? <laughs> it's worth it's worth pondering, isn't it? Yeah, if you want to upset That's why we're here again. On, the, yeah. on the channel. Yeah. Well, Rubens brought up the the Trent Alexander Arnold inversion that yeah. everyone's talking about, and you know I think there's there's obviously some positives to it, but I do think that people like it because Liverpool have started winning a bit more, and therefore it's a good thing, right? Um, and that, that is true. Yeah, and it's good when they the causal- win. But the causality isn't always as tight as people like to think on these things. And um, I think when most other teams are doing it, they're doing it for a very specific reason, which is to um, to overload in the central areas in order to be able to build through pressure. Mm. And I don't think Liverpool are doing that. Trent Alexander-Arnold is sitting a little bit deeper and it's it's a way of having him in the centre of the field to move him up into that half space when they have possession of the ball in the final third. Um, I think there's maybe also a defensive aspect to it as well the idea being perhaps and again this is just me speculating but obviously um if if he's playing high up the field there's a defensive there's a turnover and they have to defend often he'll be way out of position and and leave space that will have to that he'll be tracking back into the fullback area mm. whereas obviously now from a more central position if the ball is turned over and they and then the opposition um, attack down his his channel. What we're seeing now is the outside centre back on that side, usually Canate, pulling across, and then Trent Alexander-Arnold dropping into the centre back spot a little bit more. I assume that was um, the prime reason for the switch. Was that so when they lost the ball and because so many opposition teams just pump it down that channel because they know that Trent's going to be high up the pitch or unable to defend against their tricky winger, mm. um, and Canate is more athletic and better at that type of defending, um, and the kind of the creative. Um, consequences of that move are kind of like a happy bonus. Yeah, I think I think you're probably I think you're probably right on that. But I suspect that what will happen is that it will lose its usefulness mm-hmm. as other teams become used to being able to respond to it. Because I think 
obviously there's a lot of teams who invert their fullbacks now, but they usually do it for a very specific purpose. Whereas when Trent Alexander-Arnold does it, it looks quite different. He'll mm. often he'll often sit outside the block, so you'll have a block of pressing players. Usually your inverted fullback goes inside that block to give another option to break lines of pressure. But Liverpool aren't really doing that so much. So there mm. are games where he does get the ball to feet in, in a central area and he's really, really good in those situations, right? There's no one better at ball striking probably yeah. in the Premier League bar, maybe Kevin De Bruyne or some someone like that. Um how old is he now? Dunno. Trent Alexander Arnold. Twenty four. Is he only twenty four? Wow. Can't he's wait for these sorts of years old. conversations about how good he is to carry on forever. He's for the rest uh, of his career. What do you mean the sort of questions about how yeah, good he is? Yeah, yeah, I just months I feel younger like... than me. Right, well, okay. Jeez, and I'm a baby. So he's 27. Baby baby boy. <laughs> no, Arnold. wait. I've got that completely wrong. Because <clears throat> you're 27. I am 20. I forgot So if I he's age, five yeah. months younger I read than his you. date of birth incorrectly. It says uh, 1998, not six. Right, so he's two years he, He's 25. Hmm. He was born in October 1998. I don't know why you keep telling me that as if that means <laughs> you're asking me to do the maths, but saying it in a way <laughs> no, like, you said on. he's 25. He's not 25 yet. What is he? 24. He's 24. Like you said at the beginning yeah, of this whole just bit. Cut that little yeah. Bit uh, listen. <laughs> Sorry. I think we should keep no, that bit in. I enjoyed that. I like bit. it too because we're working it out. We're working it out on the fly. But Trent what Alexander is, like, is going to be an interesting player six, because yeah. he's really good in possession <laughs> and he's not as good out of possession. <laughs> and football, football now, you have to be good in possession and, and, and out and of possession. That, and you know where else so, you've got to be good? In transition. Yes. Yeah, because that's not in or out, is it? Are we going to transition into a new section now? Is this a really not yet, because I, because I still wanted to talk about Trent Alexander-Arnold. Oh. Um, because uh, I do think, you know, it's it's kind of clear what he's good at and not good at, right? But also, it's also clear that the stuff he's not good at is, you know, the, the, the amount of detraction that that would um, uh, require of his value is significantly over fucking inflated in the in the general mm. discourse right for a number of reasons uh, and i think that it's already resolved but it will never be resolved and it will go on forever the point i'm making is for the next you know eight years until he's 32 <clears throat> and slows down and maybe stops playing the, exactly the same conversation is just going to happen yeah. again and again well, and again and again i feel like the it? thing that people miss from the trent debate um, most of the time is when they've talked about his like defensive deficiencies when Liverpool were winning stuff, like it didn't matter. Yeah. Um, and he was a perfect fit for how they played. Mm-hmm. And not every right back plays the same way. Like maybe they used to play more uniformly when everybody played four four two. But now they all play very differently. So I think like I thought he was has been brilliant for Liverpool, still mm-hmm. is over the last um when did he break through? Twenty seventeen or something, so like six mm-hmm. odd years. But there was always a very clear reason why he didn't play for England. And yeah. I thought that was like kind of obvious. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, I I agree. But the the thing is, is that if he moves to team ever, we could then realise that so much of the problems that we attribute to him are actually problems with yes. the way that Liverpool approach. There's no one who defends as aggressively as Liverpool. No, um, particularly in terms of their back line stepping stepping up, committing players forward, and uh, you know almost relying on their midfield to stop those passes over the back being. Yeah dangerous and they're not doing that now and so suddenly everyone's like well Alexander Arnold's just a terrible defender but he's always been he's always had the same defensive ability and we never mm. used to talk about to it to paraphrase Paolo Maldini if I have to defend my my teammates have made a mistake yeah mm. but there's a, a, an element to which I think that's true and I think in a different system where you're not 
necessarily um, de defending um, so aggressively. He, he doesn't look too bad. I, mean, I think some team like Newcastle rely on Kieran Trippier a lot. Yeah. Um, and then they have Dan Byrne usually on the other side. He, he does get forward, but you, you know he's a bit more of a, a defensive fullback. I wonder if you were to play Trent Alexander-Arnold in that Newcastle team, whether or not people would have a different attitude. Trippier is a really interesting one, though, isn't it? Because when he was at Spurs, he had the similar problems defensively to to what Trent had, I think, um, in the sense that he was really good at whipping crosses in for Kane and Son to finish. But he used to get skinned by good wingers really often when he was mm. at Spurs. Then he went to Atletico Madrid. Simeone taught him how to defend. Came back, and now he doesn't get um, exposed. The system again, though, because like under Pochettino, he's a coach who relies on his fullbacks to get forward to to give width, mm. and both of them, both fullbacks, will get forward. It's the same with with Liverpool; they've, be, they've gone through that that same process, right, of pushing their fullbacks forward. Well, that was a fun, and interesting conversation. Let's end it there. Oh, what a lovely break, wasn't that? Did you have fun? Nice break. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Good yes, break. I'm now 3,679th in the queue. Okay, that's about halfway, is it? 28 minutes left. You're going to be buying your ticket while we're still recording. This is exciting. We can go through the whole process together. Mm. Is this laptop screen on show, Jamie? <coughs> yeah. Before, before you enter your card details, make sure that you're... Yeah. <laughs> make sure that you lean across there. Fine. Newcastle United nil to Arsenal. Now, this was a, a quite an exciting and thrilling game, wasn't it, baby boy? It was. I, uh, I really enjoyed how feisty this game was. Yes. It had real steel to it mm. the tackles were intense the atmosphere was really really loud um and it made for that kind of thing can make up for an occasional lack of quality well for some people i know john hates anything that isn't um you know perfectly beautiful yeah yeah um but i really enjoyed that side of it and uh, i thought Jorginho was particularly good yeah and also think that's a brave decision for arteta to play him instead of Partey. yeah um, why did he play him instead of Partey? was it just rotation? Partey's just been playing quite badly with the ball recently hasn't he his yeah. build up's been lacking a bit oh, it's a bit tough when you're a footballer and you're not playing well with the ball isn't it <laughs> yeah that's, uh, well, that's the main thing you play with yeah whereas for all of like Jorginho's um, supposed flaws mm. he kind of masks them quite well yeah. and um, is a good ball progressor and actually is a good leader I know he's quite a polarising player but I thought against Newcastle he's particularly excellent mm. okay what did you make of it John yeah well interesting now I wanted to talk about to touch on this aspect of why Jorginho played mm. um, because when the game started Newcastle came out of the blocks really hard um, we knew that Newcastle were going to be intense in their pressing uh, one of the best teams at pressing particularly high in the Premier League and Arsenal are a team who like to build up from the back and there were some interesting comments actually after the game from Arteta who was talking about the way that Arsenal were able to move from 
the initial stages of the game where I think when you go to a away stadium like St. James's Park and you know that Newcastle are going to be really aggressive, you set up to maybe just get the ball forward quickly um, to avoid those those really aggressive first 10, 15 minutes where you know the opposition are going to be very intense. But then you have to get back into your the, the style of play that you want to um, be... be um, using throughout the game I think that's why Jorginho was brought in because he's a much better technical player than party in build-up phases so um, you've got a player like that in the in the team who is going to be able to um, um, help help realize those those moments but um, Arteta has talked about living in the game I think this is a really interesting concept there's been a few people talking about it on on Twitter but this this is the idea that when you've gone through those first 15 10 15 minutes where you're you're not really going to Im- try and Im- impose your game plan so much in terms of right. We're going to build up from the back. You've then got to go from that that essentially being under the cosh a little bit from the first uh, for the first part of the game to then <laughs> starting to try and control the game yourself. And it's hard to do in the in the in the game. I think when when you're you're having to face that that intensity. So um, there was a phase of play where Arsenal actually started building up from the back and they were able to move those I think it's a 14 pass move where they move the ball around it, it culminates with Mar- Martinelli actually getting a shot away um, but I think that moment is something that Arteta touched on as well um, they, those moments are really important because it, it gives the rest of the team belief that the the game yeah. plan can work so yeah. he talks about it as living the game right you have the you have the conceptual idea of how you want the game to go but until you get onto the pitch and you start enacting it, you, you, there's always that there's always that worry that you might not be able to do that. Mm. But I've got some quotes from Arteta, um, actually from a, a loss against Newcastle uh, last season. I think um, Arteta said, "Sorry, oh sorry. dear, sorry, Steve." Is that a ticket update? Yeah. No. no. What was the notification for? A weekly planning meeting at two. Oh, it's a bank holiday. Don't worry about that one. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, I think also we're in the middle of a podcast. So if you want to send them an email and just say, I know it's a bank holiday, but I know you're not here anyway, but just let, let you know. I think it's with you and JJ. Be, no, JJ's no. JJ's off and you're here. So. It's not. It explains why you've never attended that one historically, though. That's right. with the. That's with all the editors. Okay. Yeah. You should probably go to it. At two? I thought that was at four. No, weekly planning meeting. There look, at three. Look, 64 guests. Yeah. Yep, never been to that one. Good. Anyway, yeah. getting back to the important matter of the football. He's worked um, here for a year. Yeah. Arteta was talking about this situation. He says, um, talking about living the game. Um, so, so yeah. moving from the conceptual to the the you know, the, the pitch itself. Living said, the game. Living the game. Yeah. Mm. So he says it's how we deal with moments when we lose that control and we're able to reset and take the game into a direction that we want and finding a different way to do that. It's down to that. It's not about the leadership of the team. It's about the understanding of certain situations in the game, not to continue to put the game into that mood. So I, I think the, a lot of people have been talking about Jorginho in that respect because he is a player who can do that, who can, yeah. when, when things are really intense and you're... And He's you're impervious to a bad mood. Yeah, yeah. He's always cheery. That's, right. That's what you're saying. Yeah. He can't be... You can't, he's not like someone who picks up on the energy. He just carries on. He's kind of hyper way. alert, isn't he, at all times? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's also having bravery, right, to, to, mm. to try and build up through Newcastle's really aggressive press mm. for, the, for that first time. I think, and it, it impacts the rest of the game, right? We, we saw it happen with in the Liverpool game where Arsenal 2-0 up, uh, Liverpool get a goal back, and then suddenly Arsenal just lose their nerve and they sit yeah. deeper and deeper. They allow Liverpool to progress the ball down the field easily and they're just bunkered up in their own box. Well, it's scary. I mean, I was thinking just seconds ago about football. You know when you've got, you're a bad footballer and you've got uh, the no. ball, ball comes to you and your your back is to the opposition goal, you're facing your own goal and you know someone's running at your back 
it's scary. And then I was thinking, even when you haven't got a football, you're not on a football pitch, if someone starts to chase you in a fun way, in a sort of playful way, it's scary. You get that little kick of adrenaline. I would straight away, I'd just boot the ball away, you know. So the idea of playing, you know, playing through that remaining calm, being centred, uh, very, very impressive, isn't it? They're better than me, the Premier League footballers, <laughs> aren't they? They're yeah. better than me. Particularly impressive when Fabian Scher is running around forearm smashing people. That's true. Little shoulder to the face of Jesus there. Mm. Mm. Perhaps we'll come on to talk about, uh, you know, do all of a drama later, can't we? We can talk about the events, the, dr- the dramatic events in the game, John. Yeah, I'm happy to talk about the dramatic events of the game. Yeah? I'm not some kind of robot. <laughs> Do you know how I know you're not a robot? I literally watched the Notts County game with Ruben and I was very vociferous in that game. Because a, yeah. a robot would have attended that meeting at least once in a year. <laughs> they would have known to do well, it. Well, clearly it's, it's had a big impact on the running of the company. So That's yeah. true. It's worse because you're not there. <laughs> yeah. Okay, fine. Uh, well, very impressive stuff there from Arsenal to win uh, 2-0 in tough and tight circumstances. Well done to them. Still four points behind, of course. <laughs> they already ruined it a couple of weeks back. It's funny for everyone else. Now, um, let's talk about the, the game a little bit more. Referees referees in this game. Just one. Oh, I guess they had four, technically. Maybe it's five now. There's the VAR yeah. as well. And then there's the VAR. There's a whole team of referees, not just one. Um but uh, this game was refereed in the in the way that you often see big games refereed now, big contentious games, where they sort of hold off showing the first yellow for quite a long time. I think Steve Henke said it was 70 minutes or so before the first one came 73. out. 73 minutes, yeah. Worth interrupting. To, for the Absolutely. The if only we had a running order which had this information on it. Is it in there? I don't read what he writes down. But uh, what do you think about that there? Um, what, the way that this game was refereed? Yeah, because it felt like there were a lot of Quite bad yeah. tackles long before the 73rd minute. Well, I said I liked how feisty it was, but um, refereeing, the prime aspect of that job is obviously to ensure that the laws are applied and followed, but also is to manage the spectacle. And I feel like fans quite often forget that. I once made a video about um, referees. They, uh, they were training their prison inmates uh, to be referees so that they had something positive and productive to do afterwards and teach them the kind of skills that come with that the personal side of it um and that was something that they really emphasized you're man you're constantly just managing situations and it's all with to do with like precedent right so if you book somebody really early it can go one of two ways either players take note and go okay can't tackle like that or we'll get books or uh as would have possibly been the case in this game you end up with at least uh one team getting a man sent off mm. so it's a it's a very difficult job but i thought yeah. i thought generally um it, it was refereed quite well i don't remember thinking anything was outrageous the handball call uh, for that penalty was correct yeah. eventually took ages but yeah. um but yeah maybe the maybe the fabian share one uh, was overlooked but um generally i think it's fine for referees to take a slightly different approach if yeah. it's going to ensure a, a good, generally fair game, and um, and try and keep all eleven, uh, all twenty-two players on the pitch. And this is your perspective, isn't it, John? Because you you've said to me before that you don't think refereeing is about fairness. <laughs> you have said <laughs> you literally I, said that to me. I agree. Well, I agree with you. I agree with, you with what Ruben says, which is the the primary 
reason that we have referees, of course, it is to to make decisions mm. about the rightness and wrongness of certain actions on the field. But the overarching reason why we have referees is so that two teams agree to play against each other in yeah. the first place. And again, as you've said, it's about it's about managing a situation so that we can have a game which goes from start <laughs> start to finish and flows. Right? We had we played a eleven aside against the Telegraph on Friday. Yes, um, and we didn't have a referee, and it got a bit. To, did it, did it really there was no fights, but there were the the honesty with which everyone agreed to play with at the start of the game. Where if you fouled somebody, put your hands up, whatever, because that went out the window pretty in the second half. Right, um, when things got tight, that's why you need a referee. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. I think that's the the primary reason why why you have a referee, like because otherwise the the game doesn't work. You don't have a game in the first place, mm. um, and people have have got sidetracked by the fact that they want to dot I's and cross T's on everything now and yeah. they consider it to be massive injustice if something goes one way or the other but the, ori- the original reason for a referee was simply so the game can flow and you accept with, within that context that sometimes a referee will make a mistake and sometimes that yeah. mistake will go against you etc but uh, I think initially the, the idea was well you know that that's just that, that yeah. happens. It all comes out in the wash. But now, now we've, we've introduced technology and so refereeing has, has moved away from that original focus to more about accuracy yeah, well, yeah, that's that's a nice way of putting it, I guess. Where are you in the queue? Uh, yeah, let's should check that actually. Oh, we're getting there. Two thousand six hundred. Um, I was going to say the, the 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 other way of refereeing is the one that maybe was used in the Super Classico game yesterday, which is the game between River and Boca in Argentina, mm. where six players were sent off. Wow. In that game. Although it was a big brawl at the end of the game, rather than yeah, it was all like ninety plus ten. Yeah, there was River scored a penalty late on, and then there was seven minutes of fighting. Yeah, I like it. I think I think I'd encourage um, more stricter refereeing and more fighting. <laughs> to quote, to quote, I you, want them both. To yeah. quote you, like, you don't condone violence, but you do enjoy it. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, no, I don't condone it. You're absolutely right. But if, if, and just saying hypothetically, if there were five or six or ten games a season that were called off and cancelled due to the number of red cards exceeding the maximum possible allowance, I'd be fine with that. I'd be fine with that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, fine. That's it, isn't it? Cool. Uh, Bournemouth. FC Bournemouth won. Three, Chelsea. Very exciting for Chelsea. First win in nine, Ruben Pinder. Bournemouth let the country down here. I know. We what wanted to see those 007 Lampard memes. but They really did. Uh, but yeah, it's Lampard's first win. Um, we'll come on to talk about that uh, very, uh, very shortly. But um, even though they lost... John, Bournemouth have been uh, terrific recently. They're not really part of the rele- relegation battle in all in all earnest. I perspective. think they're, they're pretty much safe. I think. Yeah, I think so. Um, they've done a terrific job. Gary O'Neill specifically done very very well, hasn't he? Yeah, and this is something we were talking about before we were recording. Is that I think that there's a tendency for for fans of clubs in the Premier League to judge the ability of a, of a coach by where their team are in the league, and. Obviously, there's always going to be a situation where a coach ends up with a team who it's very unlikely that they're going to avoid relegation or they, if they do so, it's, it's an impressive result. But because no one is really raving about those sorts of teams, the, those managers don't get the, the sort of, um, uh, what's, the, what's the word, praise? The praise. Yeah, recognition. The, the credit. That's it, recognition, the recognition. what they've done. I think Gary O'Neill is a good example of that. Mm. Is that if you look at if you look at the squad, particularly before the January window, they did bring in some good players uh, in the January window. But he's essentially taken a squad of players, accepted that those are the players he's going to have, and got them playing 
a, a system that works for them and they've just been chipping away and getting the points that they need to yeah. to stay up and I think that, that that's pretty impressive <laughs> and you know it just because his team have uh, overperformed by overperformed is unfair there but like exceeded expectations by staying in the league yes doesn't mean to say that isn't any more of a of an overperformance than you know someone like Arteta getting his team challenging for a title so sure sure um yeah well it's, it's quite an interesting point isn't it because um some some other news came out yesterday I believe or the day before which was that Vincent Company has uh, has signed a new contract with Burnley um, and uh, we've had a little discussion about whether that would be the right thing for him or not. There were definitely options elsewhere. It seemed as though he might have been on a short or long list for, for Tottenham, um, and as a result of him, the sort of football that he's played and the, the fact that he was a, a captain under Pep Guardiola, I think there's a, an excitement, a, a, a buzz around him as a, as a coach. But he's decided to stay with Burnley for, for their promotion season, uh, and they'll move into the, the Premier League. What, what do you think of that decision, Ruben? Because that's kind of... If you had the option to go to a bigger club already, what do you think the positives of staying with Burnley are when it's going to be difficult for them next next season, particularly with the style of football that they play? Yeah, because quite often the team that plays the best football in the championship and therefore gets promoted struggles yeah. the most out of the three promoted ones. And it's the more yeah. kind of gritty uh, teams who play a bit more defensively. Yeah. That, you can do that just with Norwich. Like the best yeah. Norwich promoted yeah, yeah. teams and get they, they go up smashed and down. in the Premier League. But then League. the ones who come through the playoffs and have to play a bit more defensively, yep. then they're used to it. So they don't exactly. have to suddenly change everything. So it might be a struggle for them. Um, I think from company's point of view, it kind of, it does make sense to continue with this project because you can, managers can end up in a big job too early. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, I think he, he ended up, correct me if I'm wrong, did he do quite well at Anderlecht once he stopped playing? Because he started off as like a player manager, didn't he? Yeah, then... his time, and I don't know the ins and outs of it, but it, it was less impressive at the mm. beginning, for sure. Whether yeah. I turned around towards the end, I can't remember. Doesn't but... he have a couple of City kids at Burnley as well? Are they going to be there again with him next season? Oh, is season it like a Lampard situation, like when he had Mount and tomorrow? I, d- I don't genuinely don't know, but yeah. I, th- I, th- I thought I heard someone say that there are a couple of City young City loanees that were at Burnley last last season, uh, who may or may not. Yeah, they had Jan Matson as well, who's a Chelsea yeah. player. But from what I believe, uh, he's he's turned that team around. I think it would be unfair mm-hmm. to say. I mean, obviously, you need to have the players of the ability to play that sort of football. But oh, I don't mean um, he hasn't done a good job. I, no, I simply no, no, mean no. like, will will, yeah, will the stage be generally? Like, I think insurmountable. Generally, I think it's good. Um, because uh, doing badly at a massive team can can like tank your reputation yeah. when things are out of your control. So when he does move up, he's going to want to pick the right uh, move, and it will probably yeah. be a team who played a similar style between Burnley and City. When sure, you know. yeah, I think taking the next season and just considering it as if we can keep them in the league, playing the sort of football that I've been playing in the Championship. Then it's it's only good for my career. It's just gonna, yeah. my stock will keep rising. Whereas as, as Ruben says, if he goes elsewhere, you, you have that sort of situation where it's like this is your one chance to impress people. And if it doesn't work out, then you sort of get mm. resigned to unless the you're Frank Lampard graphics. and you just get brought back a couple of years later. Yeah, I but I think I don't think it's terrible for him to to stay there, especially because the, you know the clubs that he's being linked to are the sorts of clubs where they've sort of been crisis clubs in the last few yeah, seasons. Yeah, like so, Spurs. I would take the, I would, yeah, I'd take the, the or solidity like of, of, of Burn. No, yeah, I was thinking Spurs, yeah. like 
those those are the big jobs that he might be considering leaving Burnley for. But I think you take Burnley, a club that you know, he spent a year there now. He's he's yeah. in, implemented a system. Everyone knows what's going on. The likelihood is is that with another preseason, they would improve at the things that they've been good at this season as well. Yeah. And they're playing a style of football which I think can can do well in the Premier League. Also, so what's sure. the rush? Like, yeah, what's yeah. the rush? He's got ages. He's still young. Plus, if you've watched the Bank of Dave. You know how lovely Burnley and the people of Burnley are because of, of in that film. I haven't seen that film. But no. I have been to Burnley. Yeah? Fine. It was fine. Yeah. To be honest, that's my reaction to everywhere in the UK. You go anywhere and you go, yeah. Just a town, isn't it's it? It's fine. Yeah. Some places are nicer than others, I yeah. would say. I spent, I spent the weekend with uh, Steve Hankey, hand in hand in Cambridge, weren't we? Cambridge the is rain. a nice city. Yeah, it is nice. But then also... It rained, did you say? It's got something about it, hasn't it? It's got a, it's got a, look, it's like, look at me, this is lovely. It's got Just look, though, don't you touch me. Don't, <laughs> don't hey, don't move hey, here. <laughs> don't move here. Don't you touch, come and visit, go to the, go to the Raymond Riggs exhibition, but if you touch anything. Yeah, bitte nicht am auf Rasen treten or whatever it says. That's right, John, yeah. Yeah, what he said. Yeah. Yeah. It's got a stench of elitism. Bitte nicht auf it? dem Rasen treten, what, before what, the Germans hate me. What, you, what does I that think mean? it means don't stand on the grass, right? Bitte, yeah. Right. Don't step on the grass. That's why do you say? Why are you saying that in German? Is there a reference? Because it's on all of the all of the lawns in Cambridge. They write it in German. They, they have it in yeah, because it's tourists who are going there, isn't it? Ge- is it- <laughs> they have it in other it's languages. Predominantly well. German tourists yeah. visit Cambridge. Is it? No, it's predominantly German tourists who stand on the grass. Right? Yeah, Germans always standing on grass, aren't they? Always yeah. standing on grass. They the love Germans. Rasenballsport, of course, don't they? they? The do. people of Leipzig. They're big lawn ball sport fans. They so. love being on the lawn. Yeah, so they have to put these signs up I to like keep it. them off. Yeah. No, Cambridge is nice. Where's your where's the best place that's not London? Ah, uh, well, with that caveat. I mean, obviously that's not. Well, you two London are such Londoners, aren't you? Yeah, where, where else are you supposed there, to go? I, 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 I hate going hey, listen, to Listen, do you know what? If anyone's listening to this who <laughs> thinks that because we like living in London and it's good here that we're out of touch, then you can fuck off <laughs> and go and, you are go and live in a small the village. The correct answer is uh, Bristol. Mm, that's not Bristol's correct. just That like was the correct answer 10 years ago when everyone London. said it was. Do I just say that? Well, I have family in Bristol, so I like it. Which family? Family. How, how related <laughs> I mean, are you to them? As in, like my well, uh, mum, yeah. my mum's pinders, presumably. Okay, 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 okay. No, they're not fine. pinders actually. Fine. Uh, they're, not pin- they're not pinders. They're not pinders. They're not pinders. They're not pinders. Fine. I think it might be Norwich. I've never been to Norwich. Norwich, Norwich is lovely. Yeah, it Norwich is good is nice. in Norwich. Norwich is basically Cambridge, but you're allowed to touch whatever you want. <laughs> It's true. I went to Oxford once on a shoot. That was quite nice. Yeah? Yeah. But again, same problem as Cambridge. I didn't like it there because the pavements were heaving. Mm. And I was quite furious narrow. with how slow everyone was walking. And I was having a, a whole day argument with my wife. It was a whole bad day. <laughs> the whole day was bad. What about you, John? You, you lived in Edinburgh for a while, didn't you? I lived in St. Andrews in Scotland for a while. Yeah. Edinburgh is a lovely place as well. Mm. I, I really like Edinburgh. St Andrews is lovely too, although a little bit remote. Right. I think a bit too far away. It was nice when I was an undergrad, but... Well, uh-huh. I went to Liverpool on a stag do in November. That was Liverpool's, really nice. Liverpool's yeah. a good place. Yeah, I love Liverpool. Yeah, I like Liverpool. Good um, people. Mm-hmm. Do you know, uh, I went uh, last year to... Was it last year? Doesn't matter. Went to the town of Glastonbury. Not to the festival, uh-huh. but to the town of Glastonbury. And there were two shops that I literally couldn't stay in for longer than a couple of seconds on account of how strong the smell of incense was inside, you know. Because for people who don't know Glastonbury, you will have heard the, the festival, Glastonbury. There's a town nearby, 
Glastonbury Festival. It's not actually in Glastonbury. It's just nearby. But it's quite a... What, what would you call it? A new age town. Glastonbury Tour, right? Glastonbury it's, Tour, yeah. It's the hill. Which is great. I stood on top of the hill, climbed up the tour, looked down meadows, green meadows everywhere. And the wind was such that it appeared that there was a sea of green around the tour. That was nice. That was beautiful. Yeah, pretty cool. But then there were a lot of crystals around. So, you know, ups and downs, isn't it? I, I went... To the Lake District on my annual leave. That was nice. Yeah, nice you UK. had fun. Yeah, I did a bit of walking, yeah. a bit of boating, mm-hmm. you know, lots of Did saunas. you go boating on your own? Yeah. Yeah. What, what, what do you mean by, what, what does that mean though? How does one go boating on their own? I went Sailing? on a boat. Rowing? Well, it was, I went on, I just went on that. Was no, it no. a boat captained by someone other yeah, than you? Yeah. Okay. Nice. You were a passenger on a boat? Yes. Yeah. And what kind, what form was the, what it form did the boat steamer. take? A steamer? Mm, really? Went down Windermere on the boat. Oh, lovely. That's very yeah. nice. It's not London, though, is it? It's not London. No, there's no, no Pret out there. You can't get Pret? You can't order a uh, a burrito in the middle of the it night, eh, hey, John? Pret. Huh? Oh, yeah, that's true. The Windermere Pret. If one thing I will say for London is that there is a good source of burritos after 11 p.m. <laughs> at night. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Oh, and I should shout out as well, I should say, uh, to speaking of Cambridge and Pret... Hello to Maverick, who I spoke to in the Cambridge pret a One of many in Cambridge. Not Maverick, Pretz, you know. But, um, yeah. Is that their name? His name was Maverick. That's cool. Yeah. Is that like a gamer tag? I think it was his actual name. Weird. He's a Cambridge student. They've all got weird names. My, my sister, my sister, my cousin went to Oxford and she said on the first day she met a boy called Merlin who had a bird <laughs> with him. <laughs> And I said, have you gone to Hogwarts? And she said, you're the fifth person to make that joke. And I felt bad about myself. Anyway, fine. Let's move on. Oh, we're supposed to talk about uh, the, the uh, is it break? Break, please. Yeah. First. Break. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. let's talk about the semi-finals of the champions league now because they of course the start and before we finish talking about the premier league we should say we're recording on a monday bank holiday monday here on account of uh the king the king on account on his account but anyway what i was saying was there are three premier league games today uh, that are all sort of, you know, relevant to the relegation battle that we, we do not know the result of, and you will know while you're listening. So we're moving on, not talking about the relegation. We'll talk about that next week. Instead. We're going to discuss the Champions League, ah, on the European continent, of course, where there are two large round games of football, Ruben and John. Uh, one of them being uh, Real Madrid-Manchester City, the other being the Milan Derby. Now, Tuesday is City-Madrid, 
taking place in Manchester. Um, I feel like we have some idea of what to expect from this, but what are you expecting, Ruben, baby boy Pinder? I'm, I don't think I'm expecting Pep to overthink it mm. again. I think I just said the word think quite a lot. Mm. Um, he's settled into a, a system now. So we, you know what you're going to get with City. I'd be interested to see who he chooses in the back two lines, like yeah. the defence and then the kind of pivot positions. Um, but City will have most of the ball. Um, Grealish and Bernardo Silva will start wide. Um, they will try to work it into Holland and Real Madrid will... Um, look like they're going to lose 5-0 all game and then inexplicably win because Luka Modric exists. Mm, it's not a terrible prediction, John. It's not, no. Um, we just made a video looking at whether or not Real Madrid can keep getting away with it, yeah. um, in in the words of the meme. But And by getting away with it, you, you mean that they just win when they look like they shouldn't? Yeah, the... the the idea is that actually because we expect elite teams, we talked about this before, elite teams to play in a certain way and Real Madrid don't necessarily play in that way, that therefore they are undeserving of, of these victories when actually they have good players who they are able to um, link Rely to, on. Yeah, rely on, but linked also play together in a, in a very in a, in a very sort of a visceral way rather than in an mm. overly cerebral tactical way. And it yes. works. Yeah, um, in that video, we talked a little bit about the out of possession stuff being maybe the, the bit that will hold um, Real Madrid back. And that's because, again, we were talking about with Manchester United before, it's all about control. If you can't control the out of, phase possession, uh, the out of possession phases of the game, then you make your life a lot harder. But Madrid still seems to manage to be able to do it. And yeah. so, no, Controlling the out of phase possession would be out very <laughs> complicated. It's sort of sci-fi football thing there, isn't it? Where it's kind of a, you know, glitching in and out of existence. Yeah. All of those um, trophies around should have won. It kind of plays into this um, question that nobody can really answer. Like uh, you, you guys have done video on this as well. It's like, what does Ancelotti actually do? Yeah. How good is he? How good was Zidane? Like, would Zidane be good anywhere else? Because they're more, um, especially Ancelotti. Actually, no, Zidane. Like the, the both of them, they're like ego whisperers. Like yeah. they had all these superstars and they just kept them all happy. That's and right. I remember when Zidane, they're environment scientists. Yeah, when yeah. when. Uh, 16-17 I want to say when they won it in Cardiff mm-hmm. uh, I think the league had gone like Barcelona were winning the league so they not they kind of sacked it off and were playing like James and Morassa and they were making like 7-8 <laughs> changes for league games which prioritised in Champions League yeah. um, and I think there are very few people who can convince players like Benzema and Ronaldo and Modric that that's good for them mm. but Zidane and Ancelotti they command this respect and obviously they know what they're doing but it's a different approach, isn't it? They're not wedded to a tactical philosophy and that makes Real Madrid's success harder to explain. Yeah. Um, but I find it really interesting. Like, I think last season, he kept on, Ancelotti kept on throwing Rodrigo on as a sub, didn't he? And winning these games in the Champions League got quite late on. But he was also, um, like he'd take Kroos off and maybe put Camavinga on. That was one of his repeated subs yeah. as well. And then he would use Kroos as like an assistant manager. He kept on asking, well, I say kept on. There was a moment where he asked him, like, what do you think we should do? And to have that kind of trust in your experienced players is... It's really rare. Yeah, it's uh, super, super interesting. I mean, I think even given how good Manchester City are as a team at the moment, uh, it says something that it's, it's very clearly not a foregone conclusion. This yeah, game. I mean, it's, I it's think they're, they're favourites, aren't they? But well, what um, do you what do you think? I mean, who, who would be your prediction for uh, for uh, going through to the I, final? I think City will go through because last season this tie was incredible when they met. Um, but Benzema was like on absolute fire. Mm. 
on absolute fire. He was on work. fire. He absolutely. was absolutely on fire. He was absolutely yeah. on fire. <laughs> he had to be doused regularly. <laughs> on absolute fire. To avoid yeah. overheating. Um, and this yeah. season, he's not quite been um, putting up the same kind of numbers. No. Um, he's, just, they, he's just, he's just, you know, crackling. But he's still a great foil for Vinicius. And, and uh, like, you know, goals are coming from other players. Mm. Rodrigo starting a bit more. Valverde's coming to midfield. Um, I do think City will win, though. I just think they've got a little bit too much control. I've got a quote here from Ancelotti. Mm. who says, talking about his midfielders, um, this is when they had Casemiro. Uh, he says, the key for all three is the experience of playing together for so many years. Then there are things like the position changes they make in matches. Sometimes Tony or Luca go down to get out of the pressure. Case, uh, Casemiro goes up. I'm not going to get involved. Real Madrid can rest easy. I'm not going to get involved there. So he's just sort of letting them right. vibe out. Yeah. But anyway, Vanya, I've, I've finally got through the queue, so I'm going to ignore you. Okay, what, so now tell us what's happening. Where are you? You're in the website, the Wembley website, presumably. Yes. Yeah. Is it Wembley.com? Uh, I don't know. Read the whole URL. Login.thefa.com. Okay, fine. And what are you doing? You're purchasing one ticket, two tickets? I'll probably buy a couple and see if someone wants to Oh, how sad. <laughs> oh, no. You don't have a, a, a fill for the second yet. But you are going to buy it. Who who else are you going to offer it to? Can you give us a list of? They, they only won the game yesterday, so it's not. I've not had a huge amount of time to like. No, no, yeah, of course. All of your so friends making it just sound don't like know I just... yet. And who will you invite? What do you think? I've invited a couple of friends who are Leeds fans because um, my friend who works for the club is a Leeds fan as well. So yeah. there's been a few of us keeping an eye on it. But right. Leeds are also playing a big game against Newcastle. Oh. What um, about that... JJ? Do you think he'd go with you? Oh yeah, maybe. Maybe I'll, you can invite Henry. Yeah, yeah, Henry can't go because he hates me. What about your dad? Would your dad come down for the no. day? No. Mummy? No. No? My dad might go with you. Oh, okay. yeah. What about, what about I met, Mr. Pinder? I met Daddy Boy Pinder. Did you? Yeah. You met weekend. Daddy Pinder? Yeah. Holy shit. How old is he? Uh, 30. <laughs> In his 30s, I think. Um, yeah. I think it'll be a 1-0. I think City will play really well. But Real Madrid will come back into it in the second half. Man City will win 1-0 and then you'll go to Madrid a week later and think, hmm, actually it's not very big, uh, you know. And then Man City will win 5-1. Yeah. Right? And they'll just smash them in Madrid. What, I, can, I can feel it. What's your favourite um, Pep overthinking moment? Oh, is it when Just he, trying to think of is one. Is it when he played no defensive midfielder in the final against Chelsea? Yeah, that was and good. And played, I think, De Bruyne up top? Yeah. Or was it when he went with a back five against Leon mm. and played Eric Garcia, mm. um, who is not very good at that level? See, he says he doesn't overthink, though, doesn't oh, he? He does. He has, though. It's like, one of the things Rodri. he does. Like yeah. that season, they got to the final when they played Chelsea and lost to that uh, Havertz goal. Mm. They'd been playing four four two with Rodri and Gundogan as this like brilliant double pivot. Foden and Mara stretching the pitch, and De Bruyne and Bernardo Silva as like two false nines who just kind of came and went and like you know instinctively moved off each other yeah. and then he tore it all up and dropped Rodri for the final and put yeah. Gundogan deep and it just didn't work and it this, was this'll, this'll surprise him yeah I'll do something worse I think it was because yeah. he wanted to like shoehorn Sterling into the team um, and James kept him quiet but mm. I don't think he's going to do it again he's got, got your, he's got got your tickets, tickets yeah. Yeah. put your arms one. up again so Jamie can swap the cameras to you there he goes come on the Notts County yes <laughs> There was another one when he was at Bayern and they were playing uh, Luis Enrique's Barca. And I think he went back three, man for man, against Neymar, Suarez, Messi. And that was when Messi put uh, Boateng down. Mm. But, but 
I don't think he's going to do that again. You don't think he's going to no, do that again? No. Okay, well, we'll find out. We'll find out, won't Did we? Did we decide who is going to win? Man City. City. I think we've agreed it's going to be Man City. Do you know people hate the way I say Man City? Yeah, what? because you say it like an American. You say it like Rory Stewart would say it. Man City. Hmm. How do Sorry. you say it again? Man City. Nah, Man City. You, no, that's you're, not you're you're I say Man City. You I say, say Man City when I'm Man saying it. Man City, dude. Man City. <laughs> oh, because it's Man the city. The city. City. With like a D. Yeah. That's what you're saying. Say it again. Man City. Yeah, you do sound... I've never noticed that before. Do you sound American when you say anything else? No. <laughs> say, can I have a bottle of water? I would like, please, a bottle of water. Nice. Water, that's not bad. That's, very good, that's yeah. pretty good, yeah. And now now do... I did um... not know that. <laughs> <laughs> One more game we have to talk about <laughs> is Milan. Is Milan. The Milan derby. Both of the Milans are playing each other in a two-legged semi-final uh, tie for the Champions League. Very old-fashioned, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, this could be potentially the most boring game of all time, John. Well, uh, yeah, I think boring depends what you like, right? There's, there's I like boring horses word. for courses. Um, but yes, yeah, so I think there's a supposition that this game could be quite tetchy. Both both teams have got a, a fair way through this competition by being solid defensively. And I guess when you bring the um, immovable object against the immovable object, or whatever this saying is, is it may, may not lead to the, the greatest football. But I believe it's the unstoppable force yeah, but, versus the immovable object. Yeah, but they're both immovable objects rather than unstoppable forces. Right. Right? Isn't an unstoppable force is more like... Well, I, I, I guess the issue is if you had two unmovable objects, unless they were always touching, they could never touch. Well, yes, but isn't that what we're trying to say? That this His analogy works games? perfectly. Yeah. That they can't yeah. touch. Yeah, the problem here is you, not the analogy. Well, no, because the thing is the force comes to touch the... The, the object, object yes. and that's the clash. The friction is when. Yeah, so the that's thing why it's occurs. exciting because you're like, oh, there's a really good defensive team against a really yeah. good attacking team. But, but your you analogy have, doesn't work if because you if two, you have two un- unmovable yes. objects, that's why he called them both immovable objects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I understand. Yeah, yeah. But f- follow my logic, baby yeah. boy. If you have two unmovable objects, yeah. right? The suggestion would immovable. be that when when immovable, how dare you? When the uh, force isn't moving towards the object yeah they're not playing in a game of football right they're not the friction it only happens when they touch but if you have two immovable objects mm. you can't ever move them closer to each other unless they're constantly touching yeah because they, they can't ever move yeah so they couldn't be having a game of football no so okay. it's not the perfect i still analogy. think the analogy works i love the fact that in this game we've got Edin Dzeko and Olivier Giroud leading mm. the line of each respective team in a that Champions League semi-final. That is nice. Having, yeah. you know, after the Premier League's elite deemed them not good enough anymore sure. a few years ago. It's like a 2015 headline. Mm. Yeah. 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 Uh, Milano are a team who do like to, they're, they're a very pressy team um, and they like to, I guess, win the ball back and then attack at speed, which mm. is quite fun when they have Teo Hernandez and Rafael Leao, but Rafael Leao is not available, I believe, for the Did first leg. Did you Hernandez's goal the other day? Yeah, he yeah. ran. He he dribbled with the ball from his own box to the other box, and then just slapped it top bins from like twenty yards. It was amazing. <laughs> Milan ha- Milan have two sources of ball progression. One of them is called Teo Hernandez. Yeah, and one he of just them is he loves that Rafael, yeah. inward run, doesn't he? Yeah, the yeah. two of them together is just. So they've only got one for the first leg. Yeah, so it, right. th- that will probably be um, an issue for them. Um, yeah, and Milan uh, Inter under. Um, Inzaghi have have sort of always promised to to be quite good, but never really, mm. r- really achieved it. Um, and so, yeah, it, it does have the feeling of a game where, if I were to use an analogy, 
I'd say it's and <laughs> now be careful what you say. <laughs> I'd say it's an immovable object against an immovable object, and oh. it won't be it won't make for a good game because the two immovable objects will be at other ends of the pitch. They yeah. never touch. They and couldn't so have be a boring. Game. Yeah, because you need them to touch in order for the for game to, to be, even happen. Yeah, for it to be fun. Yeah, right. Inter Milan have done. Uh, Inzaghi's done something relatively interesting tactically. Uh, Inter Milan, though, with in sense that he's taken players who I always thought of as attacking players and started playing them deeper. Like Hakan Chalanoglu, formerly of AC Milan, um, is playing as like a six now, I think, sometimes. as like deep player and playmaker picking the ball up from the back three. Henrik Mkhitaryan, who was like a 10 or a winger, mm. he's now playing as an eight in that same midfield. Mm. Um, and yeah, so I just thought that was quite interesting, the way they can move further back the pitch. They go. I suppose a lot of players do that. I never Don't talk yourself out of it. It was interesting. Yeah. You got towards the end and then me or John didn't. It. We yeah. didn't go, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then you, you yeah. lost confidence in what you were saying. But I thought it was good. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, Ch- Chalanoglu also scored a banger recently. Yeah. yeah. I just love a goal that goes top bins. Top bins means in the top corner, Joe. Right. How do you get it in there, though, if it doesn't move? Hey, my screen's the gone ball. dead. I need the screen. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to win that one then? Impossible to say. Yeah, I think. That, I mean, nil nil. Normally, it's nil-nil. the most interesting game, right? Because, well, yeah, for people like you, you know. Well, no, <laughs> no, for, I, for look, a certain type. I, I will very much enjoy the 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 City game against the City game against Real Madrid. <laughs> I think you'll find that it's I, actually the Milan derby that's the one that's most interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe they are both equally interesting, but I think which one are you going to watch? Oh, they're on you at don't different have times. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Both. <laughs> Which one are you going to watch? If they were on at the same time, which one would you watch? I'd probably watch the the City, the City one. game, yeah. yeah, because you know that's it's the sort of culmination of this Man City team, right? This is yeah. this is arguably the best team that, that Pep's had. It's um, a, it's it's yeah, a it near, you know it's a seventeen year long narrative. Yeah, yeah, and I think regardless of what you think of Man City and how they and, and you know everything around surrounding them the sports washing that stuff yeah and the other stuff yeah that's a real drag that <laughs> that's stuff, a, isn't it's it? like JF, yeah. that's a jfk quote isn't it it's like oh we will get to the moon and then do all the other things yeah <laughs> <laughs> i played with milan on fifa yesterday and they are really fun to play with they're fun on fifa one yeah so yeah okay i reckon they'll probably win we've got the youth vote for milan the old I, vote says yeah no i think i think both of those teams could could do it and it'll be one that we see I think both teams could win as well. Yeah. yeah. Not at the same time. Let's just be clear. Both teams can't win because only one team can win. That's right. Because but one like of them is theoretically, a... before the game begins, both teams could theoretically yeah, win. Yeah, that's true. But again, not at the same time. Not at the same and time. And that's, that's your punditry. Well, let me flesh it out, Joe. Please do. I was Add using, more flesh I was to using a slight of hand, a, a, a linguistic sleight of hand, right. which was, yeah. you know, to... Was it light or something? <laughs> was light that understatement? I can't remember. Yeah. Anyway, it's a, nice word. It's a nice word to say, isn't it? Light uh-huh. Light yeah. Um, but I, I think that that game very much hinges on what happens as the game ebbs and flows. Whereas with the Man City, <laughs> the Man City Real Madrid one, as you've said already, we know how that's going to. It's ebb predetermined. And flow, we? we know. Yeah. We know that Man City are going to dominate possession. Of course. And and um, I, I, whereas and so to a degree that will be a fun game to watch. Yeah. But we, if it unfolds the way that we expect it to unfold, it will be it will be fairly. Whereas with Milan and anything Inter, could happen. I think the first team to score that changes then the whole the whole that, tenor of that the, would change. Yeah. Because mm. they'd be one nil up. Because they'd be one nil up. Game yes. state. You're right, because then Game it forces it. 
a natural, def- a naturally defensive team. Yeah, to exactly. Come out and, yeah. So I agree. The team that scores first will then sit, try and sit on their lead, and then pick them off on the break. I completely agree with that. I also think what happens in the game will affect the outcome of the game. Lightotes, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Steve has dropped it in the chat here. Ironic understatement in which an, an affirmative is expressed by the negative of its contrary. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> oh, okay. So it's like, e.g., I shan't be sorry, for I shall be glad. Yeah. Uh, yeah? That's what I was doing there. Right. I was using understatement. <sighs> cool. Cool stuff. I shan't be sorry when this podcast is over. No. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, there's one more thing you have to do before the podcast is over, and that's listen to me read a lot of things that Steve wrote down for me to say. Okay? Oh, you ready? Because League One final day summary then, rap Dash one hour, 17 recorded, Not and we need to bit. do the intro too. <laughs> oh, shit. Shit. Okay, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> However, how how does it start with however? You start with the bit before. Oh, yes. League two and the championship end on Monday. Is that today? That is today. They end today. Mm. Do they really? As we've recorded, actually, Northampton Town have been promoted. Northampton Town. Congratulations to the cobblers. Well done to the cobblers. Where's my shoes? That's what they Not say. To isn't it? Two, That's surely. their big chant. Where's me shoes? Sorry, League One. Yeah. League we two. scored the goal. <laughs> Where's me shoes? Remember that one? Remember that one they had? What about the shoes? Uh, you know, and then boots, boots, boots. Remember that one? The cobblers. <laughs> what other chance did they have? You know. Oh, these are real. You're not making them up. These are real. Yeah, oh. yeah, they're all real. Yeah, all their <laughs> shoe-related chants. Leather, leather, <laughs> leather shoes. <laughs> They had that one, didn't they? Oh, the cobblers. Anyway, well done to the cobblers. Very happy, very happy for the cobblers. League two in the championship end on Monday after. <laughs> Sorry. The point is they end, and we can't talk about them because we haven't recorded it yet, but we are talking about it. It's very confusing. Uh, however, former Everton midfielder Stephen Schumacher, is that right? Yeah. <laughs> John's lost it. <laughs> He plays for the cobblers as well. His name means shoemaker. (laughs) (laughs) Let's manage Plymouth to League One. He's managed Plymouth. You made that up. I refuse to believe. Stephen Schumacher. (laughs) Leather, leather, leather shoes. There you go, Stephen. Congratulations to Stephen Schumacher. The Pilgrims will be in the championship (laughs) next season. That's Please, right. No They're making chance. the pilgrimage up the pyramid there. There we go. Have you got any Plymouth chance for us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, the Mayfeather weather. What was that boat called? The Pilgrim's Mayflower. boat? The Mayflower. Got the bird. Anyway, Ipswich Town, managed by former Man United assistant manager Kieran McKenna, will join them in the championship after the Tractor Boys ploughed their way to 98 points and second place. 98 points, only good enough for second place Ar- in League Argyle One. Argyle got 101. Incredible. And Argyle, County, the scythes. Yeah, because of the tractors. Got 107, the didn't they? Was it? Very impressive. 108, 107. Yeah. Over 100. Wow. The team's down there really getting some points. One of Sheffield Wednesday, Barnsley, Bolton Wanderers and Peterborough United will go up via the playoffs. That's very exciting. Peterborough, a.k.a. The Posh, learning a lot of nicknames here. They used to have a guy who walked around a stadium in like a top hat with like a monocle and a three-piece suit. Very nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now I can see why they would be called The Posh. You've explained the etymology for me. Pipped. Where did I get to? (laughs) The Posh. Pipped by Derby County to the final. They pipped Derby County to the final. (laughs) Pipped, active, not pipped Derby County. <laughs> they weren't pipped by. 
not like a fruit. They pipped Derby County to the final <laughs> playoff place on the last day of the season. I don't even know what league we're talking about anymore. Is it one or championship? <laughs> one. League one. one. Derby County are in League One, are they? Good yes. lord. You know, Jeff Stelling is stand, standing down at the end of the season. <laughs> is there a, is there I a, genuinely <laughs> think you should go for it? It'd be a different sort Can of you show, imagine? wouldn't it? Oh, be a different be sort of show. Jeff Hold on, let me. In the relegation places, MK Johns went from the finishing one point off automatic promotion last season to the relegation this season. What about that, Cammy? <laughs> That's yeah. fucking good. Not but bad, for who? Chris? Oh, Clive? Oh, George? Who is it? Yeah. Clive. I don't know. Cambridge United uh, survived on the final day of the season by winning 2-0 at already relegated Forest Green Rovers at the Abbey. The Abbey. Yes. Forest Green are managed. By Duncan Ferguson, dot, dot, dot. Now, I don't understand the significance of that ellipsis. I think the implication <laughs> Because he's someone you've heard of. Oh, I've heard of him. Have also, you? try telling Duncan Ferguson that he's been relegated. Right. He, be like, he doesn't like it. No. He wouldn't like to hear that. No. no fair enough. Morecambe, this is interesting, Ruben. Morecambe and Accrington <laughs> Stanley join MK Dons and Forest Green Rovers in relegation to League Two, where they will play Wrexham next season. Yes. Accrington Stanley. Accrington Stanley. Who are they? Who are they? They're they're from uh, Stanley, aren't they? That's where they're from. That's hey, right. hey, good joke. I know they're not from Stanley. Anyway, I think that's the end. Is it? Is that the end, Steve? Uh, I hope so. <laughs> uh, okay, you've written here. Okay, that's enough for this episode. Say your goodbyes. Uh, well, in which case, I will say thank you to uh, the it's quite most chilling when you say that, isn't it? That's the end of the episode. To say your goodbyes. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are only five. Five, five studio ones left. Five studio ones mm. left. So, yeah. The big time goodbyes coming soon to the most delightful little baby boy of all time. It's Ruben the, ba- Ruben the Baby Boy Pinder. A Thank you. Gaga. Good. Oh, look at him. Do you, do you know that Gugu. Ruben the Baby Boy Pinder's father calls him Ruben the Baby Boy Pinder? Does now. he? This is another thing that Does I, he actually... I never recounted that story, did I? No, he, he frequently brings the joke up. But if he's trying to get my attention, he won't go, baby boy. <laughs> uh, I'm going to make it my life's work for, for that to be the case. But... So what did you meet? I went to, yeah, I went to Shea Pinder. It was great. What's that? Uh, well, I, needed, I needed a drill. Shea Pinder? Shea Pinder. Oh, yeah. you mean the house of the home of Pinder? Yeah, the, 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 the Pinder Palace. Pinder. I see Pinder what you're Palace. saying. Right, right. Um, I've, I've got like a, a rail to hang in my bedroom to put my shirts on. Yeah. Because um, yeah, I was just being more economical with space. Right. But I didn't have a drill and I didn't want to buy a drill just to put up the thing. So I was like, Ruben lives very close to me. So I thought, see if he has one and his his, his dad had a His drill. father had a drill. And lent me the drill, yes. Um, and, and you used it? I used it, but it didn't work at first. Um, and then I looked at the plug and the wires were all hanging out. Oh, yeah. So I rewired the plug. It's now much more of the drill. That's really impressive. I wouldn't know where to start. I rewired that. the plug of the drill. How do you not have a drill if you know how to rewire a plug? Because the knowledge of rewiring a plug doesn't necessarily require the owning of a drill. Good Lord. I'm glad I can explain that one to you. Oh um, yeah, so yeah, it was good, all good fun. But Great yeah, stuff. What's it like at the Pinder Palace? Yeah, it was a lovely little little, little place in there. Um, yeah. I'm not going to said little it. three times. <laughs> Sounds like he was really trying to emphasise how little it is. Our house not big enough for you. <laughs> is it because on account of how small it is? What's his bedroom like? Does he sleep in a cot? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Does I, I didn't go into his bedroom. Because sometimes I worry about if he could get out of bed on his own at night, what would he do? <laughs> you know, he does it's need true. those little walls around him to keep him safe. Yeah. All precious and safe. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, thanks for today. You're very welcome. Yeah. And uh, Jonathan Dog McKenzie? <laughs> there he goes. <laughs> Well, there we go. Thanks to Steve Hankey, uh, producer Hankels. 
No worries. You're welcome. And uh, thank you to our long-limbed friend, Jamie, the video producer. There he is. Wave, big, big old wave. I like how Steve says no worries, even though every episode is filled with many worries. Yeah, for yeah. Steve specifically, yeah. How long do you think this one's going to take you to edit? Oh, like you won't hear it till Friday, I think. And it's, <laughs> it's getting worse every week are, as we yeah. get towards the end. Almost as though there's nothing worth, you know, protecting. <laughs> Or there's no incentive to do a good job. Just all of our reputations. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Well, we'll be back next week, or will we, with more, uh, where I believe JJ Ball uh, rejoins us. And actually, I think we've got a special guest in the studio. Am I thinking correctly? You are. Did he say that he was? Yeah, I believe Seb Stafford-Bloor is going to be here next week in the flesh. That's very exciting. I haven't met him yet. That'd be nice. Have you not met Seb yet? You'll, yeah, you'll get to clasp his hand. He's a hugger. He's a hugger. He's a hugger. He'll hug yeah. you. Okay. I'm a hugger. Yeah. Good. You can hug each other. Uh, we'll be back then. It won't um, be like the immovable object hugging the immovable object. Am I right, Joe? Yeah, uh, well, I could, I could come back at you, but I feel like Steve's pouring <laughs> his eye holes into my head to say that's the end of the show. Ta-ra, Alfida Shane, and bienvenue. <laughs> Athletic.